I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to BoxingForFree.com's podcast. I'll be honest, I didn't have a lot of excitement in the build-up for the rematch between Brandon Rios and Mike Alvarado. I was thinking that it was probably happening too soon, maybe you should have had them fight other opponents, have them win, maybe lose, then set up a rematch. But it seems like Bob Arum is learning from the mistake he made when he didn't immediately make Juan Manuel Lopez versus Yuriokas Gamboa. Uh, but we did get the rematch, and while I did predict that Rios was going to win much quicker than he did this time, I yeah, I picked him in to win in round six, Mike Alvarado was able to use his movement and fight intelligently and get the decision. I thought that he clearly won the fight, as do most people that I've talked to, and obviously there's going to be a third match. I mean, you, you have two guys that fight fight of the year, or it's regarded as the best fight of the year so far, but they do that twice, and it's obvious that they're going to do it again. It's brought in a lot of money, brought in a lot of ratings. Why not? Um, but this time they're going to wait a bit and let Rios and Alvarado take other fights and I think that's a good idea let the fire for a third match build it's it's a great idea it was a real back and forth battle but I think everyone does agree Mike Alvarado won this fight and there, there's no real doubt you don't hear anybody say oh he didn't deserve to win the only person that I have heard say that is Brandon Rios uh, according to BoxingScene.com, he said that he had it seven rounds to five for him, a few rounds a draw, and he also complained that Mike Alvarado ran for most of the fight. Now, I, I don't know what goes on with Brendan Rios outside of the ring, and I'm not sure... I, I imagine he's been boxing for many years, amateur, and but I'm not sure if anybody told him this, but the reason the ring is so big... and I don't know the exact dimensions of it, but it's so big so that you you can move inside of it. Mike Alvarado did the right thing fighting the way he did. The way I saw it, Brandon was not cutting off the ring like he should have, and also, I, I don't exactly know American laws from state to state, but lateral or backward movement is legal in boxing, and to the best of my knowledge, is not any kind of cardinal sin, but it's been quite a while since I've been to church. Also, if you just have him stand toe-to-toe -to -toe and fight, yeah, it's entertaining, but, you know, life's not rock'em, sock'em robots. You want to fight intelligently, not absorb a large amount of punishment, and, you know, take the chance of losing. Yeah, I know that Brandon Rios probably gets turned on a bit when he suffers a concussion, but nobody wants to be like Meldrick Taylor or Muhammad Ali where you speak to them and when they speak back to you, you barely understand what they're saying. That might sound cruel, but that's the truth. And I'm worried, actually, about Brandon Rios. You know, he talks about how he loves to stand and trade, but... Do you want to be 33 and having slurred speech? Do you want to be, you know, an adult and wearing diapers? That might sound cruel, but that's the reality of it. You don't want to see that happen to anybody. 
if they can avoid it. And, uh, that and Brandon thought he won. If he did think he won, why was he holding up three fingers at the end of the fight? Y you saw that. The, the bell rang, and he, he ran to he ran to the corner, jumped up on the top rope, and held up three fingers, indicating, yeah, third fight. Come on, you knew you lost. Plus, if you watched the fight, then you had to have seen the camera, you know, focus dead center on your family, and they had this whole, we are not amused look about them. They knew what happened, the people knew what happened, and Brandon Rio should know that as well. Also, I gotta give credit to HBO for doing the smart thing and making a behind-the-scenes look at the at the lead-up to this uh, matchup. I think it was just released on YouTube, it's only 12 or 13 minutes, but you know what, it's pretty good for what it is. I don't know why they couldn't stretch it out to a half hour and air it on, you know, regular HBO so that it would get more exposure. I mean, air it before or after a rerun to Game of Thrones. There you go. Bang. That's how you draw people. Anyway. Uh, I, I'm really sorry to be even mentioning this, but as we know, HBO is no longer going to be airing any of Golden Boy Promotions fights. Uh, Rios is under top rank, and... Well, let's just say top-ranked CEO Bob Arum and Oscar De La Hoya, they're not really besties like they used to be. Uh, just uh, before the fight, Oscar De La Hoya tweeted that he had canceled his, his uh, subscription to HBO, which means that, like myself, he's probably the only other person on the planet not watching Game of Thrones. Sorry, I don't, lo I don't care about medieval stuff like that. I just don't. Anyway, uh, uh, Bob Arum heard this at the post-fight press conference, and, well, you know Bob, when Oscar criticizes him, he's going to respond in his usual manner of quiet dignity and grace. What are your thoughts on Oscar De La Hoya tweeting minutes before uh, Rio Salvarado started that he canceled his HBO subscription? Well, that's, uh, Oscar is, 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 is absolutely, you know, uh, one of the brainiest guys that I've ever known, and he probably did it while he was putting on those uh, oh, kind of shit. leggings. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Come on, Bob. Come on. No, I really mean it. Who the hell is Oscar Delahoy? I mean, he's a moron. <laughs> Quiet dignity and grace. I don't know if Oscar De La Hoya heard what he said. I imagine he did, but I haven't heard any reply from him, but Honestly, what reply can you give to that? I mean, he brings up the fact that you were dressed up in women's lingerie. I mean, the only thing you can say is, hey, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> That's it. Damn. I, I want to see a press conference between those two. I would love to. Anyway, on to other news. Robert the Ghost Guerrero, who in a little over three weeks' time will face Floyd Mayweather Jr., was arrested at JFK International Airport for possession of a gun. He was later released on bail, and the matter will be resolved at, uh, ten days after his fight with Floyd. But at the same time, it does look to be something serious, even though from what I've gathered, this sort of looks like a technicality. I... I don't really want to get into the discussions of, uh... 
firearms in America because A, I'm not Piers Morgan and B, I don't really have enough information about it. But personally, why not just have a bodyguard carry the gun? Why not? I mean, and don't I don't want anybody emailing me, calling me somebody who's trying to strip away the Second Amendment from American citizens and that I'm some, you know, stupid Canadian liberal because I don't vote. And also, you know, I've shot a few guns in my time. It's fun. So I don't want to hear how I'm some crazy, unsympathetic redneck who doesn't care about dead children. Alright? And there, that's the most I'm going to uh, say on that subject. With that, I want to draw your attention to All Access Mayweather vs. Guerrero, which premiered this past week on Showtime. Now, usually I'll play... I'll play highlights of the best clips. I'll play highlights of the best parts, but it's really hard to with this one because I would probably be forced to play the whole episode. I'm not kidding. It was very entertaining. The pace was perfect. It didn't feel too fast. It didn't feel too slow either. It didn't feel like they had to pad it out with unnecessary information like what does Leonard Eller be like to get on his sub when he goes to Quiznos nothing like that also it feels like equal time is given to each combatant to explain who they are to new viewers it gives us a look into their family and their camps it's not like we get a two second blurb about how Robert Guerrero's wife had cancer and then back to Floyd and hard work dedication it feels like a perfect balance. If there is one thing that I do want to highlight, and it was something that I was going to bring up uh, as we got closer to the day of the fight, it's uh, Floyd's comment on how everybody has a game plan when it comes to fighting him. Everybody game plan is this. Keep pressure. Throw a lot of punches. Last time I checked, all 43 said it. We'll just have to see. He is right, though. How often have we heard that someone say Floyd can't handle somebody with a strong jab, or that his next opponent is paying particular attention to his first fight with Jose Luis Castillo? I think all those people forget that they, him and Jose Luis Castillo fought again, and Floyd won very one-sided in that fight. Look, the best way to look at this is from a nerd's perspective, and thankfully you're listening to one. Mayweather is like the Borg from Star Trek. And if you don't know what, what the hell I'm talking about, the best way to explain that is to have Star Trek explain what the Borg are. And if you listen to this, he's pretty much describing Floyd. You can't outrun them, you can't destroy them. If you damage them, the essence of what they are remains. They regenerate and keep coming. Eventually you will weaken, your reserves will be gone. They are relentless. Now that might be a bit overdramatic, but at the same time, can you think of a better description for Floyd? So, it's going to be interesting to see what Guerrero plans on doing against Mayweather. Maybe he's right and Floyd's legs aren't what they used to be, but we'll see 
as uh, the fight gets closer if there's going to be anything that can sway public and professional opinions. Now, if you haven't caught Showtime's all-access Mayweather vs. Guerrero, you can find it on YouTube, a very entertaining show which has already made me forget about 24-7, and I'm really looking forward to the next episode where pretty much they, they're going to be discussing what happens more or less with the gun issue, I believe. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Also, this weekend we have the showdown between uh, 2012's Fighter of the Year, Nonito Donaire, and the two-time Olympic gold medalist from Cuba, Guillermo Rigondeau. And I apologize for pronouncing his name incorrectly in the past. I especially apologize if, I, if I'm still pronouncing it incorrectly. Uh, this bout is important for a lot of reasons. It's for the unified WBO-WBA super bantamweight title. You have Rigondeau. He's 32, but extremely talented and experienced. Regarded as one of the best amateur boxers ever, and referred to by Freddie Roach as the greatest talent he's ever seen, Rigondeau has been a pro for less than four years, yet he already holds a major title since early last year, and... He only has just 11 fights. His last fight was on the undercard of Sergio Martinez versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. When was the last time you saw somebody with so few fights get a, get a title shot so soon? I mean, this side of Michael Spinks. I think he had only 7 or 8 fights when he got that title shot, and he's been extremely dominant. On the other hand, you have Donaire, who had an amazing year in 2012, was regarded by most sports writers as the fighter of the year, and he hopes to continue his meteoric rise by toppling a man who some believe has the best chance of beating him. For this fight as well, HBO has done a uh, short 15-minute documentary, you can find that on YouTube as well, called The Road to Donaire Rigandau. If you remember before 24-7, HBO used to have these half-hour countdown specials. This is pretty much it, except for some reason, again, they only decided to have it be 15 minutes instead of a half hour. Why? You have one of the best fighters, pound for pound, taking on somebody who is dangerous like Rigandau, even though he's not that experienced at the pro level. Why aren't we highlighting this? Ugh. Now, it's been quite a while since I've done a prediction on the podcast, but I think I'm going to give you mine right now about this fight. I've gone over the numbers, the data, I've looked at their previous fights. I'm predicting this to be... It's going to be a very tactical fight. And unfortunately, that means that it could be boring. Well, let's remember that Donaire does have explosive power that comes right out of nowhere, and it can shock the hell out of you. And as we saw in his last fight, Rigandau was a bit wobbly a few times, and those came from left hooks, and Donaire has maybe the best left hook since Oscar De La Hoya. So, call me crazy, but while I don't expect it to be an amazing fight of the year candidate like Rio Salvarado too. I wouldn't be surprised if Donaire stopped Rigandau in the 8th round. And that's why I'm putting that down as my prediction. 
Nonito Donaire is going to knock out Guillermo Rigondeau in the 8th round. I wouldn't be surprised if I turn out to look really stupid with that prediction. Like, it could just be a very boring fight, no knockout at all, and it could go 12 rounds and have people booing the whole time, and it could be a draw. But that's the way I'm seeing it. If you want to bet on it, be my guest. You may share 20% of the profits with me. And in our final... Uh, in our final bit of news to wrap up this podcast, and I don't even know if news is the right word for this, but, okay, Victor Ortiz is still on Dancing with the Stars and managed to avoid being eliminated even though he scored score only <laughs> 18 Oh, I'm so tired, all of a sudden. Only 18 out of 30 points during his latest cha-cha or whatever. I don't know why I brought this up. This is so boring. But, you know, I had someone mention to me when I first brought up Victor Ortiz being on Dancing with the Stars that there may be people listening to this podcast who like to watch Dancing with the Stars. And that they might find it entertaining. And I really shouldn't knock something like that. Even though in the past I did make a lengthy blog post about it. Mocking all the contestants on it. You can just read my regular blog for that. There's a link to it at the bottom of this page. But yeah, I uh, I toured Dancing with the Stars a new one. And that was my right. But... I thought about the people who like the show for its entertainment value, and I would like to apologize. I am very sorry. Very, very sorry. I am sorry that you have low standards for entertainment. I am sorry that you find a former World Rule star doing the Macarena to be thrilling television. I am sorry that your remote control does not have the ability to change the channel. I am sorry that if your remote control does have the ability to change the channel, you do not seem to have any batteries to put in it. I am sorry that you cannot find a decent cartoon to watch instead. I am sorry that you also do not have a good book to read, or a good podcast, like this one, to listen to more often. To sum it up, I am sorry. No, I'm not. Anyway, that's all we have for this week. Be sure to go to BoxingForFree.com. Follow us on Twitter like Robert the Ghost Guerrera, Arislandi Lara, and many other professional boxers. Like us on Facebook as well. Do all that stuff to get us out there. Share us with your friends and family, even if they don't want to listen to it. Next week, we will be going over uh, Donaire versus Rigandau. See how right... Or not right I am. And we'll also be doing a preview for the Junior Middleweight Championship fight between Sal Canelo Alvarez and Austin No Doubt Trouts, where I will be giving my prediction on that fight as well. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. <laughs>